irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. The Sapphire Planet. The Hubble Space Telescope is a space telescope that was launched into low Earth orbit in 1990 and remains in operation to this day. With a 2.4 meter or an 8 foot mirror, Hubble's four main instruments observe in the near-ultraviolet, the visible, and near-infrared spectra. The telescope is named after the astronomer Edwin Hubble. Hubble was designed to accommodate regular servicing and equipment upgrades. Five servicing missions SM-1, 2, 3A, 3B, and 4 were flown by NASA space shuttles, the first in December of 1993 and the last in May of 2009. Servicing missions were delicate operations that began with maneuvering to intercept the telescope in orbit and carefully retrieving it when the shuttle's mechanical arm The necessary work was then carried out in multiple tethered spacewalks over a period of four to five days. After visual inspection of the telescope, astronauts conducted repairs, replaced failed or degraded components, upgraded equipment, and installed new instruments. Once work was completed, the telescope was redeployed, typically after boosting to a higher orbit to address the orbital decay caused by atmospheric drag. Servicing Mission 1 After the problems with Hubble's mirror were discovered, the first servicing mission assumed greater importance as the astronauts would need to do extensive work to install corrective optics. The seven astronauts for the mission were trained to use about a hundred specialized tools. 
Servicing Mission 1 flew aboard Endeavour in December of 1993 and involved installation of several instruments and other equipment over 10 days. Most importantly, the high-speed photometer was replaced with the COSTAR, Corrective's optic package, and the wide-field planetary camera was replaced with the wide-field and planetary camera too, with an internal optical correction system. The solar arrays and their drive electronics were also replaced, as well as four gyroscopes in the telescope pointing system, two electrical control units, and other electrical components, and two magnometers. The onboard computers were upgraded, and Hubble's orbit was boosted. On January 13, 1994, NASA declared the mission a complete success and showed the first sharper images. At the time, the mission was one of the most complex, involving five long extra-vehicle activity periods. Its success was a boon for NASA, as well as for the astronomers with a more capable space telescope. Servicing Mission 2 was flown by Discovery in February of 1997, replacing the GHRS and the FOS with the Space Telescope Imaging Spectrograph and the near-infrared camera and multi-object spectrometer, replaced an engineering and science tape recorder with a new solid-state recorder, and repaired thermal insulation. The near-infrared camera and multi-object spectrometer contained a heat sink of solid nitrogen to reduce the thermal noise from the instrument. But, shortly after it was installed, an unexpected thermal expansion resulted in part of the heat sink coming into contact with an optical baffle. This led to an increased warming rate for the instrument and reduced its original expected lifetime of 4.5 years to about 2 years. Two years later, servicing mission 3A, flown by Discovery, took place in December 1999 and was a split-off from servicing mission 3 after three of the six onboard gyroscopes had failed. The fourth gyroscope had failed a few weeks before the mission, rendering the telescope incapable of performing scientific observations. The mission replaced all six gyroscopes, replaced a fine guidance sensor and the computer, installed a voltage temperature improvement kit to prevent battery overcharging, and replaced thermal insulation banks. The new computer is 20 times faster, with 6 times more memory than the DF-224 it replaced. It increases throughput by moving some computing tasks from the ground to the spacecraft, and save money by allowing the use of modern programming languages. Servicing Mission 3B, flown by Columbia on March of 2002, saw the installation of a new instrument 
with the FOC being the last original instrument still in use, being replaced by the advanced camera for surveys. This meant that CoStar, you remember CoStar, it was the fix for the problem with the mirror, was no longer required since all new instruments had built-in correction for the main mirror. The mission also received NICMOS by installing closed cycle cooler and replaced the solar arrays for the second time, providing 30% more power. Three years later, servicing mission four. Plans called for Hubble to be serviced in February 2005, but the Columbia disaster in 2003 in which the orbiter disintegrated on re-entry into the atmosphere, had a wide-ranging effect on the Hubble program. NASA Administrator Sean O'Keefe decided that all future shuttle missions had to be able to reach the safe haven of the International Space Station should in-flight problems develop, as no shuttles were capable of reaching both the Hubble Space Telescope and the International Space Station during the same mission, future manned service missions were canceled. This decision was assailed by numerous astronomers who felt that Hubble was valuable enough to merit the human risk. Hubble Space Telescope planned successor, the James Webb Telescope, is not expected to launch until at least the year 2018. A gap in space observing capabilities between a decommissioning of Hubble and the commissioning of a successor is of major concern to many astronomers. Given the significant scientific impact of HST, the consideration that the James Webb Telescope will not be located in low Earth orbit and therefore cannot be easily upgraded or repaired in the event of an early failure, only makes these concerns more acute. On the other hand, many astronomers felt strongly that servicing of the Hubble should not take place if the expense were to come out of the James Webb Telescope budget. In January 2004, O'Keefe said he would review his decision to cancel the final servicing mission to the Hubble Space Telescope due to public outcry and requests from Congress for NASA to look for a way to save it. The National Academy of Sciences convened an official panel, which recommended in July 2004 that the Hubble Space Telegraph Telescope should be preserved despite its apparent risks. Their report urged NASA should take no actions that would preclude a space shuttle servicing mission to the Hubble Space Telescope. In August of 2004, O'Keefe asked Goddard Space Flight Center to prepare a detailed proposal for a robotic service mission. These plans were later canceled, the robotic mission being described as a not feasible project. In late 2004, several congressional members, led by Senator Barbara Muskulski, 
held public hearings and carried on a fight with much public support, including thousands of letters from schoolchildren across the country, to get the Bush administration and NASA to reconsider the decision to drop plans for a Hubble rescue mission. The nomination in April 2005 of a new NASA administrator with an engineering rather than an accounting background, Michael D. Griffin, changed the situation. As Griffin stated, he would consider a manned servicing mission. Soon after his appointment, Director Griffin authorized Goddard to proceed with preparations for a manned Hubble maintenance flight, saying he would make the final decisions after the next two shuttle missions. In October 2006, Griffin gave the final go-ahead and the 11-day mission by Atlantis was scheduled for October 2008. Hubble's main data handling unit failed in September of 2008, halting all reporting of scientific data until its backup was brought online on 25 October 2008. Since a failure of the backup unit would leave the Hubble Space Telescope helpless, the service mission was postponed to incorporate a replacement for the primary unit. Service Mission 4, flown by Atlantis in May 2009, was the last scheduled shuttle mission for the Hubble Space Telescope. SM-4 installed in the replacement data handling unit, repaired the ACS and the STIS systems, installed improved nickel-hydrogen batteries, and replaced other components. SM-4 also installed two new observation instruments, Wide Field Camera 3 and the Cosmic Origin Spectrograph, and the Soft Capture and Rendezvous System, which will enable the future rendezvous, capture, and safe disposal of Hubble by either a crewed or robotic mission. The work accomplished during SM4 rendered the telescope fully functional, and it remains so as of 2015. Since the start of the Hubble program, a number of research projects have been carried out, some of them almost solely with Hubble, others coordinated, facilities such as Chandra X-ray Observatory and ESO's Very Large Telescope. Although the Hubble Observatory is nearing the end of its life, there are still major projects scheduled for it. One example is the upcoming Frontier Fields Program inspired by the results of Hubble's deep observation of the galaxy cluster Abel, 1689. In August 2013 press release, CANDLES, the Cosmic Assembly Near-Infrared Deep Extragalactic Legacy Survey, was referred to as the largest project in the history of Hubble. The survey aims to explore galactic evolution in the early universe and the very first seeds of cosmic structure at less than one billion years after the Big Bang.
The Candles Project site describes the survey goals as the following. The Cosmic Assembly Near IR Deep Extra Galaxy Legacy Survey is designed to document the first third of galactic evolution. Via deep imaging of more than 250,000 galaxies with Wide Field Camera 3, Infrared, and ACS. Five premier multi-wavelength sky regions are selected. Each has a multi-wavelength data from Spitzer and other facilities and has extensive spectroscopy of the brighter galaxies. The use of the five widely separated fields mitigates cosmic variances and yields statistically robust and complete samples of galaxies down to 10 to the 9th solar masses. The program, officially named Hubble Deep Field Initiative 2012, is aimed at advancing the knowledge of early galaxy formation by studying high redshift galaxies in blank fields with the help of gravitational lensing to see the faintest galaxies in the distant universe. The Frontier Fields webpage describes the goals in the program being to reveal inaccessible population galaxies that are 10 to 50 times fainter intrinsically than any presently known. To solidify our understanding of the stellar masses and star formation histories of sub-L galaxies at the earliest times. To provide the first statistical meaningful morphological characterization of star forming galaxies. And to find galaxies stretched out enough by cluster lensing to discern internal structure and or magnified enough by cluster lensing for spectroscopic follow-up. Hubble has a public use aspect. Anyone can apply for time on the telescope. There are no restrictions on nationality or academic affiliation. But... Funding for analysis is only available to U.S. institutions. Competition for time on the telescope is intense, with about one-fifth of the proposals submitted in each cycle earning time on the schedule. So roughly only 20% get to use the telescope. Calls for proposals are issued annually with time allocated for a cycle lasting about one year. Proposals are divided into several categories. General observer proposals are the most common, covering routine observations. Snapshot observations are those in which targets require only 45 minutes or less of telescope time, including overheads such as acquiring the target. Snapshot observations are used to fill in gaps in the telescope schedule that cannot be filled by regular GO programs. Astronomers may make target of opportunity proposals in which observations are scheduled if a transient event covered by the proposal occurs during the scheduling cycle. In addition, up to 10% of the telescope time is designated director's discretionary. Astronomers can apply to use the director's discretionary time at any time of year, 
and it is typically awarded for study of unexpected transient phenomena, such as a supernova. Other uses of director's discretionary time have included the observations that led to views of the Hubble Deep Field and Hubble Ultra Deep Field, and in the first four cycles of telescope time, observations that were carried out by amateur astronomers. The first director of the Space Telescope Science Institute, Ricardo Gicconi, announced in 1986 that he intended to devote some of his directory discretionary time to allowing amateur astronomers to use the telescope. The total time to be allocated was only a few hours per cycle, but excited great interest among amateur astronomers. Proposals for amateur time were stringently reviewed by a committee of amateur astronomers and time was awarded only to proposals that were deemed to have genuine scientific merit, did not duplicate proposals made by professionals, and required the unique capabilities of the space telescope. Thirteen amateur astronomers were awarded time on the telescope, with observations being carried out between 1990 and 1997. One such study was Transition Comets, UV Search for OH Emissions in Asteroids, the very first proposal, a Hubble Space Telescope study of post-eclipse brightening and albedo changes on Io, was published in the journal Icarus, a journal devoted to solar system studies. The second study from the second group of amateurs was also published in the journal Icarus. Imaging observations of asteroids with Hubble Space Telescope. After that time, however, budget reductions at the Space Telescope Science Institute made the support of work by amateur astronomers unattainable, and no additional amateur programs have been carried out. The Hubble Space Telescope has gone through their 20th and 25th anniversaries, respectively. The Hubble Space Telescope celebrated its 20th anniversary in space on April 24, 2010. To commemorate the occasion, NASA, ESA, and Space Telescope Institute released an image from the Carnia Nebula. To commemorate Hubble's 21st anniversary in space on April 24, 2015, NASA released images of the Westland 2 cluster located about 20,000 light years away in the constellation Carina. In early 1980, NASA and the Space Telescope Institute covered four panels to discuss key projects. These were projects that were both scientifically important and would require significant telescope time, which would be explicitly dedicated to each project. This guaranteed that these particular projects would be completed early in case the telescope failed sooner than expected. The panels identified three such projects, 
1. A study of the nearby intergalactic medium using quasar absorption lines to determine the properties of the intergalactic medium and the gaseous content of galaxies and groups of galaxies. 2. A medium deep survey using the wide field camera to take data whenever one of the other instruments was being used. 3. A project to determine the Hubble constant within 10% by reducing errors, both external and internal, in the calibration of the distance scale. There has been many important discoveries from the Hubble Space Telescope. Hubble has helped resolve some long-standing problems in astronomy, as well as raising new questions. Some results have required new theories to explain them. Among its primary mission target was to measure distance to the CFID variable stars more accurately than ever before, and thus constrain the value of the Hubble constant, the measure of the rate at which the universe expanding, which is also related to its age. Before the launch of Hubble Space Telescope, estimates of the Hubble constant typically had errors of up to 50%. But Hubble measurements of CFID variables in the Virgo cluster and other distant galaxy clusters provided a measured value with an accuracy of plus or minus 10%, which is consistent with more accurate measurements made since Hubble's launch using other techniques. While Hubble helped to refine estimates of age of the universe, it also cast doubt on theorems about its future. Astronomers from the High z Supernova Search Team and the Supernova Cosmology Project used ground-based telescopes and the Hubble Space Telescope to observe distant supernova and uncovered evidence that, far from decelerating under the influence of gravity, the expansion of the universe may in fact be accelerating. The cause of this acceleration remains poorly understood. The most common cause attributed is dark energy. The high-resolution spectra and images provided by the Hubble Space Telescope have been especially well-suited to establishing the prevalence of black holes in the nuclei of nearby galaxies. While it, it had been hypothesized in the early 1960s that black holes would be found at the center of some galaxies, and work in the 1980s identified a number of good black hole candidates, it fell to work conducted with Hubble to show that black holes are probably common to the centers of all galaxies, the Milky Way galaxy in which you're living in now, included. The Hubble program further establishes that the masses of the nuclear black holes and properties of the galaxies are closely related. The legacy of the Hubble programs on black holes and galaxies is thus to demonstrate a deep connection between galaxies and their central black holes. 
the collision of Comet Shoemaker-Levy 9 with Jupiter in 1994 was fortuitously timed for astronomers, coming just a few months after Hubble Space Telescope servicing Mission 1 had restored Hubble's optical performance. Hubble images of the planet were sharper than any taken since the passage of Voyager 2 in 1979 and were crucial in studying the dynamics of the collision of a comet with Jupiter, an event believed to occur once every few centuries. Other discoveries made with Hubble data include protoplanetary disks in the Orion Nebula, evidence of the presence of extrasolar planets around sun-like stars, and the optical counterparts of the still mysterious gamma-ray bursts. Hubble Space Space Telescope has also been used to study objects in the outer reaches of the solar system, including the dwarf planets Pluto and Eris. A unique window on the universe enabled by Hubble are the Hubble Deep Field, Hubble Ultra Deep Field, and Hubble Extreme Deep Field images, which used Hubble's unmatched sensitivity at visible wavelengths to create images of small patches of sky that are the deepest ever attained at optical wavelength. The images reveal galaxies billions of light years away and have generated a wealth of scientific papers, providing a new window on the early universe. The Wide Field Camera 3 improved the view of these fields in the infrared and ultraviolet, supporting the discovery of some of the most distant objects yet discovered, such as well-known MACS 0647 JD. The non-standard object, SCP-06F6, was discovered by the Hubble Space Telescope on February 2006. During June and July 2012, U.S. astronomers began using Hubble and discovered a tiny fifth moon moving around icy Pluto. In March 2015, researchers announced that the measurements of the aurora around Ganymede revealed that the moon had a subsurface ocean. Using Hubble to study the motion of the aurora, the researchers determined that a large saltwater ocean was helping to suppress the interactions between Jupiter's magnetic field and that of Ganymede. The ocean is estimated to be an unbelievable 100 kilometers or 60 miles deep trapped beneath 150 kilometers or 90 mile ice crust. When you think about the ocean on Earth, its average depth is around 3 to 4 miles. A 60 mile deep ocean 100% around Ganymede is amazing. Many objective measures show the positive impact of Hubble data on astronomy. 
Over 9,000 papers based on Hubble data have been published in peer-reviewed journals, and countless more have appeared in conference proceedings. Looking at papers several years after their publication, about one-third of all astronomy papers have no citations, while only 2% of papers based on Hubble data have no citations. On average, a paper based on Hubble data receives about twice as many citations as papers based on non-Hubble data. Of the 200 papers published each year that receive the most citations, about 10% are based on Hubble data. Although the Hubble Space Telescope has clearly helped astronomical research, its financial cost has been large. A study on the relative astronomical benefits of different sizes of telescope found that while papers based on Hubble Space Telescope data generate 15 times as many citations as a 4-meter or 13-foot ground-based telescope, such as the William Herschel Telescope, the Hubble Space Telescope costs about 100 times as much to build and maintain. Deciding between building ground versus space-based telescopes is complex. Even before Hubble was launched, specialized ground-based techniques such as aperture masking interferometry had obtained higher resolution optical and infrared images than Hubble would achieve, though restricted to targets about 10 to the 8th times brighter than the faintest targets, faintest targets observed by Hubble. Since then, Advances in adaptive optics have extended the high-resolution imaging capabilities of ground-based telescopes to the infrared imaging of faint objects. The usefulness of adaptive optics versus the Hubble Space Telescope observations depends strongly on the particular details of the research questions being asked. In the visible bands, adaptive optics can only correct a relatively small field of view, whereas Hubble Space Telescope can conduct high-resolution optical imaging over a wide field. Only a small fraction of astronomical objects are accessible to high-resolution ground-based imaging. In contrast, Hubble can perform high-resolution observations of any part of the night sky and on objects that are extremely faint. Hubble data was initially stored on the spacecraft itself. When launched, the storage facilities were old-fashioned reel-to-reel tape recorders, if you can believe that. But thankfully, these reel-to-reel tape recorders were replaced by solid-state data storage facilities during servicing missions 2 and 3A. About twice daily, the Hubble Space Telescope radios data to a satellite and geosynchronous tracking and data relay satellite systems, or TEDRAS, which then downlinks the science data to one of two 
60-foot or 18-meter diameter high-grain microwave antennas located at the White Sands Test Facility in White Sands, New Mexico. From there, they are sent to Space Telescope Operations Control Center at Goddard Space Flight Center, and finally to the Space Telescope Science Institute for archiving. Each week, the Hubble Space Telescope downlinks approximately 120 gigabytes of data. All images from the Hubble are monochrome, but each camera incorporates a wide variety of filters that may be used. Color images are created by combining separate monochrome images taken through different filters. This process can also create false color versions of images, including infrared and ultraviolet channels, where infrared is typically rendered as a deep red and ultraviolet is rendered as a deep blue. How does the Hubble Space Science Institute archive this 120 gigabytes of data coming down each week? All Hubble data is eventually made available via the Milkusi Archive for Space Telescope at the Space Telescope Science Institute. Data is usually proprietary, available only to the principal investigator and astronomers designated by the principal investigator for one year after being taken. The principal investigator can then apply to the director of the Space Telescope Science Institute to extend or reduce the proprietary period in some circumstances. Observations made on the director's discretionary time are exempt from the proprietary period and are released to the public immediately. Calibration data, such as flat fields and dark frames, are also publicly available straight away. All data in the archive is in the FITS format, which is suitable for astronomical analysis, but not for public use. The Hubble Heritage Project processes and releases to the public a small selection of the most striking images in JPEG and TIFF formats. Astronomical data taken with CCDs must undergo several calibration steps before they are suitable for astronomical analysis. Space Telescope Science Institute has developed a sophisticated software that automatically calibrates data when they are requested from the archive using the best calibration files available. This on-the-fly processing means that large data requests can take a day or more to be processed and returned. The process by which data are calibrated automatically is known as pipeline reduction and is increasingly common at major observatories. Astronomers may, if they wish, retrieve the calibrated files themselves and run the pipeline reduction software locally. 
This may be desirable when calibration files, other than those selected automatically, need to be used. Hubble data can be analyzed using many different packages. Space Telescope Science Institute maintains the custom-made Space Telescope Science Data and Analysis System, or STS-DAS, software, which contains all the programs needed to run pipeline reduction on raw data files, as well as many other astronomical image processing tools tailored to the requirements of Hubble data. The software runs on as a module of IRAF, a popular astronomical data reduction program. It has always been important for the Space Telescope to capture the public's imagination. Given the considerable contribution of taxpayers to its construction and operational costs, after the difficult early years when the faulty mirror severely dented Hubble's reputation with the public, the first servicing missions allowed its rehabilitation as the corrected optics produced numerous remarkable images. Several initiatives have helped to keep the public informed about Hubble activities. The Hubble Heritage Project was established to provide the public with high-quality images of the most interesting and striking objects observed. The Heritage Team is composed of amateur and professional astronomers, as well as people with backgrounds outside of astronomy, and emphasizes the aesthetic nature of Hubble images. The Heritage Project is granted a small amount of time to observe objects which, for scientific reasons, may not have images taken at enough wavelengths to consist or to construct a full-color image. The Space Telescope Science Institute maintains several comprehensive websites for the general public containing humble images and information about the observatory. The outreach efforts are coordinated by the Office of Public Outreach, was established in 2000 to ensure that the U.S. taxpayers saw the benefits of their investment in the Space Telescope program. Since 1999, the leading Hubble outreach group in Europe has been the Hubble European Space Agency Information Center. This office was established at the Space Telescope European Coordinating Facility in Munich, Germany. Hubble European Space Agency Information Center's mission is to fulfill the Hubble Space Telescope outreach and education tasks for the European Space Agency. The work is centered on the production of news and photo releases that highlight interesting Hubble results and images. These are often European in origin and so increase awareness of both the European Space Agency's Hubble share, which by the way is 15%, and the contribution of European scientists to the Hubble Space Telescope Observatory. The European Space Agency produces educational materials, including a videocast series called Hubblecast, designed to share world-class scientific news with the public.
the Hubble Space Telescope has won two Space Achievement Awards from the Space Foundation for its outreach activities in 2001 and 2010. There is a replica of the Hubble Space Telescope on the courthouse lawn in Marshfield, Missouri, the hometown of namesake Edwin P. Hubble. So, what does the future lie for the Hubble Space Telescope? Past servicing missions have exchanged old instruments for new ones, both avoiding failure and making possible new types of science. Without servicing missions, all the instruments will eventually fail. In August 2004, the power system of the Space Telescope Imaging Spectrograph failed, rendering the instrument inoperable. The electronics had originally been fully redundant, but the first set of electronics failed in May 2001. The power supply was fixed during a servicing mission in servicing mission 4 in May of 2009. Similarly, the advanced camera for surveys, main camera primary electronics failed in June of 2006, and the power supply for the backup electronics failed on January 27, 2007. Only the instrument's solar blind channel was operable using the side one electronics. A new power supply for the wide-angle channel was added during service mission 4, but quick tests reveal this did not help the high-resolution channel. Hubble Space Telescope uses gyroscopes to stabilize itself in orbit and point accurately and steadily at astronomical targets. Normally, three gyroscopes are required for operations. Observations are still possible with two gyroscopes, but the area of sky that can be viewed would be somewhat restricted and observations requiring very accurate pointing are more difficult. There are further contingency plans for observations with just one gyro, but if all gyros fail, continued scientific observation will not be possible. In 2005, it was decided to switch to two-gyro mode for regular telescope operations, as a means of extending the lifetime of the mission. The switch to this mode was made in August 2005, leaving Hubble with two gyroscopes in use, two on backup, and two that are inoperable. One more gyro has failed in 2007. By the time of the final repair mission, during which all six gyros were replaced with two new pairs and one refurbished pair, only three gyros were still working. Engineers are confident that they have identified the root causes of the gyro failures, and new models should be much more reliable. Hubble orbits the Earth in extremely tenuous upper atmosphere. And over time, its orbit decays due to drag. If it is not reboosted, it will re-enter the Earth's atmosphere within some decades, with the exact date depending on how active the sun 
is and the impact on the upper atmosphere. If the Hubble were to descend in a completely uncontrolled reentry, parts of the main mirror and its support structure would probably survive, leaving the potential for damage or human, even human fatalities. In 2013, Deputy Project Manager projected that Hubble would survive into 2020. Based on solar activity and atmospheric drag, or lack thereof, a natural atmospheric reentry for Hubble will occur between 2030 and 2040. NASA's original plan for safely deorbiting Hubble was to retrieve it using the space shuttle. Hubble would then have most likely been displayed at the Smithsonian Institution. This is no longer possible, since the space shuttle fleet has been retired, and it would have been unlikely in any case due to the cost of the mission and risk to the crew. Instead, NASA considered adding an external propulsion module to allow controlled re-entry. Ultimately, NASA installed the soft capture and rendezvous system to enable deorbit by either a crewed or robotic mission. There is no direct successor to Hubble. As an ultraviolet and visible light telescope, as near-term space telescopes do not duplicate Hubble's wavelength or coverage, which is the near-ultraviolet to near-infrared length, otherwise known as the optical wavelength. Instead, the new telescopes will be concentrating on seeing in the farther infrared bands. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.